Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Friday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug LaMaurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Going to get into Maryland, Ohio State. Noon kickoff, Saturday, Ohio Stadium. Homecoming for the Buckeyes. I also want to talk a little bit about Cincinnati, Ohio State. Not that they're playing right now, but I just I, we want to, do a, I want to do a little bit of Cincinnati conversation because, frankly, I don't think there's a ton of Maryland conversation to get us through this podcast. And I want to talk about Cincinnati. We did a whole Cincinnati podcast on the college football playoff show on that Tuesday show available for Apple podcast subscribers. If you want to hear uh, me and my partner, Shahan J. Haraja on that show, dig into Cincinnati, go, go listen to that. But if we're going to talk about another team two hours away in the same state, now's the time to do it because Cincinnati just beat Notre Dame. So I want to have a little bit of a Cincinnati, Ohio state conversation. I asked the texters some questions about this, but I want to do a hard sell for the text right off the top, because why not do a big ad? right in the first three minutes. Who wouldn't want that? And then I'll tell some silly stories about myself if that helps. I didn't go to Rutgers last week. It was the first game in my history on the beat that I didn't go to that wasn't related to COVID. So last year, I didn't go to any games anywhere because I locked myself in my house because I have diabetes and I didn't want to get COVID and get sick. This year, I'm not worried about that. I'm vaxxed. I'm good to go. It's still out there, but I'm not I'm not behaving the same way. I'm not being as super cautious. I'm still cautious. I still wear a mask, but that's what, that's why I didn't go. So it was weird. Last year was weird, but it was like weird for a reason, but it was weird that I wasn't there and you guys were there. And I was here. My daughter's had homecoming. I had reasons to stay home, but I just want to say as someone receiving the texts on game day about a game that I was very interested in. And like the news is just not out in the world yet. All the pregame texts that you guys send, this is what warmups look like. This is what's happening on the field. This is what we just saw is so valuable. I had never received them in quite the same way before when I was like super invested in this game. And listen, all the people, if you're listening to this podcast, you're super invested in Ohio State games on Saturday. I thought it was worth the monthly fee just for the pregame texts on Saturday because it really made me feel like I knew what was going on. Oh, Harry Miller, where's he lining up? Oh, he's doing this. Oh, CJ Stroud, how's he looking warm-ups? Always doing this, right? All that kind of stuff, that alone is worth four bucks a month. So if you're not a tech subscriber, I swear if you try it for a 14-day free trial, those Saturday pregame texts, you'll be like, man, I am in the know on this stuff. I don't have to go look for it. It comes right to you, 614-350-3315. I give you the hard, hard, hard sell every now and then. Usually I just say the number. I just wanted to commend you guys for that because I don't even know if we realize it at the games. You guys send more text pregame than I do. I don't even know if we realize it because you think like, oh, well, but, but like that's not what the Big Ten Network's talking about and at 90 minutes before a game. That's not what ESPN's talking about. It's really valuable on-site information. It's why we do go to games to provide that intel. I swear if you listen to this podcast, you'll think it's worth it. And the rest of it's fun. We do fun surveys and stuff. But just that I thought was great. And I just wanted to say that. Let's talk about Maryland. Earlier this year, I talked about how I'm going to know more about other teams and whatever. Like, I don't know crap about Maryland. 
I apologize to Maryland. Kind of got busy. I know their quarterback. I know Rakeem. I'm about to say I know this guy, and I'm going to get his name up. Rakeem Hicks, right? Is that right? No. No? Dang it. What is it? Starts with a J. One more guess, and then I'll tell you. Is it Jix? Jerks. I thought it was Ix. Jix. I thought it was an IKS. No one in the history of the world has been named Jix. What's his name? It's not. I thought it. I really thought it was Jarrett. Oh, who's Hicks? Oh, Elias. Isn't there an Elias Hicks? Ricks. Elias Ricks. Yeah. Come on. I'm just. I'm doing rhyming games. Who's? I want to know if somebody's name is actually Jix. Oh man, Rakeem Jarrett. Oh, he's a good player. (laughs) Okay, so here's the one other thing. New WAP failure. Let me do this real quick before we get into my lack of knowledge. So I'm signing the books. I'm sending books out to people. I, I didn't get all my books that I needed. There's a little bit of a backlog, but I'm, I'm getting them out to people now. People are receiving them in the mail. If you want to sign up and get a book for me, you can go on Venmo and find Doug Road to Ohio State and pay me 25 bucks there. Drop in your address and what you want me to sign and I'll sign it. So I signed one to our friend Billy Byler, who is a loyal, 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 loyal tech subscriber and Buckeye Talk listener. And he wanted his, he wanted me to sign one for a Christmas present. And it was like, Merry Christmas. And it was to like, it was supposed to be like to the biggest Ohio state fan in Savannah, Georgia was like the thing that, that he was trying to get me to say, cause it's for his dad. So here's his tweet about it. He said, My dad, his name is Bill, lives in Savannah, Georgia. He's a Buckeyes fan. So as a Christmas gift, I bought Doug's book and asked him to sign it. Merry Christmas to Savannah, Georgia's biggest Buckeyes fan. I got it in the mail. I'm not even mad. This will be a great story. I signed it. Merry Christmas to Savannah! Exclamation point, all caps. Georgia's biggest Buckeyes fan. That I thought the person's name was Savannah. Instead of Savannah, Georgia's biggest Buckeyes fan. So I did that. That's just me being stupid. But then this happened. I got a message from somebody who wanted me to sign the book to the PV man. Because it's the guy who on the Zoom last year came on and said P word, V word, P word, V word over and over again. But he didn't even want me to say P word, V word. He wanted me to say the write the real words in it because he said it, his high school friends like dared him to do it like as a prank. And that's why he said P word, V word, P word, V word in the middle of an Ohio State Zoom. So I'll mm. ask, I usually ask the texters, do you guys think I signed it to the P word, V word man? Or do you think I was so outraged I refused to do it? I think you should have signed it to the P word V word man, but it should have cost him like $200. I also think that you should have just put the word P word V word P word V word instead of actually spelling out the entire world just to be difficult. I should have just like like on every page, I should have written P word V word on all 275 pages of the book. Uh, yeah. No, then that starts to come back on you a little bit. <laughs> that gets a little weird. I was like, oh, I donated the book to a church. For their library <laughs> in the kids' room, somebody Mommy. can like forensically match up the handwriting between your signature and how it says "p word v word" on every page. You're like Jack Nicholson from The Shining, except even worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, except p word v word the whole time. So I did sign it to the p word v word man because I will sign anything for money. As my rage only goes so far, my rage goes right up to the point where you pay me, and then I'll do whatever. So, but I did admire him. I told him to tell his high school friends to cram it, but for daring him to do it. But I, he at least he outed himself. So the P word, V word, man. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not here to try to sell books. I'll do another round of trying to sell books. I just want to tell stories about myself. Nathan, what do you know about Maryland? I mean, everything we've talked about up to this point, I don't know that I know uh, extensively beyond that. Um, and it, it's difficult. I really think the loss of Demas changes so much for them. I, I, Everything that we had thought about this team was that it was going to be an offense with Talia Tonga-Vailoa, with both Demas and Jarrett. Was this a team that was going to put pressure on this secondary in a way that 
no opponent had since, I guess maybe Tulsa, which isn't that long ago, but probably even more. Like those are more dynamic receivers and a more dynamic quarterback. So could those those teams have challenged them more? And now with him being out and not having two guys at the back end, uh, potentially, you know, d- challenging this defense downfield, it just doesn't seem like the same fear factor. I, I do think that it, one thing I do think from watching Maryland a little bit, though, is Tonga Vailoa's RPOs have to be respected a little bit more than if mm-hmm. you know, Rutgers was doing kind of the same thing. He's not a prolific runner in his career, but sometimes when he has run, it's it's been uh, – big it's been there's been some big numbers there so they've got to keep him bottled up they it can't get caught uh, in undisciplined things that's what I kind of keep coming back to on Ohio State it's almost yes it'd be nice to see them get challenged by major skill position guys but they also just need to be challenged schematically still a little bit challenged from a discipline standpoint and prove that they have grown and matured a little bit just as football players let alone the the underlying skill that goes along with it Talia is definitely the best quarterback on this first half of the schedule for Ohio State, and depending on how things like shake out with Michigan over the next couple of weeks here, he might be the most talented quarterback they face all regular season, um, just given what he's been doing. But I, I watching them, it felt very Ohio State against Oregon, where they're very capable of putting up a lot of yards and having explosive plays, but it doesn't always result in points. And so that's really the key to this is Ohio State's defense, whether they're single highs, too high, whatever they're doing out there, their whole basis is make you drive, make you have these long extended nine, 10 play drives where maybe you rack up a lot of yards, but you don't finish it off. And this seems like a good team to test that theory out. Now that you figured out some defensive personnel stuff of whether that approach is going to work this year. Let's feel like it might be a big, like Bryson Shaw, Lathan Ransom, Ronnie Mm -hmm. Hickman. Don't let stuff break out kind of game. Ever since 2018, it does feel like Maryland usually has a dude or two, right? I mean, there's plenty of of teams in the Big Ten that from a a skill position standpoint just don't – I mean, just don't have anybody that scares you most of the time. I mean, Rutgers falls into that. They might be solid. They might play some good defense, but they don't have anybody that really scares you. You know, Anthony McFarlane was dangerous in 2018, even though Demas is gone, Nathan. Like, they do have a little more skill even without their best guy than a lot of other people on the schedule. Yeah, and I think as we've seen in the Big Ten, I mean, 2018 proved it. If you have like one really good skill guy against an adequate to bad defense, then that can be 51 points in that in that case. And maybe not always that dramatic, but that, that can change a game. So I, I think that is still kind of where Ohio State is 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 we're still re- we're still setting the baseline, I think, a little bit on this defense. And maybe this is, again, a kind of matchup that can help do it. That makes sense to me. I think that's right. I mean, like David Bell, like David Bell's been battling injury a little bit, right? But he's still coming yeah, down the bike for, yeah. for Purdue. Yeah, he was in the protocol, but he's, I think he played last week. And I do think, Stephen, to your point, I think it's possible. I mean, it's certainly possible that, like, the way Graham Mertz has played, what's happening at Michigan, right? Like, uh, if J.J. McCarthy is the guy by the end of the year. But, like, right now – I guess I have not been paying attention to this, but apparently like Adrian Martinez is playing well for Nebraska, which is sort of like, what? He's like in year five and it's like he was good in year one and then he was bad in years two, three, and four. But it's possible that, and again, let's exclude CJ Stroud because I'm not making a CJ Stroud point. Like other than Ohio State, it's possible this is the best quarterback in the Big Ten right now, right, Steven? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, like Spencer Petras from Merritt, from, Iowa sort of does what he's asked to do. Sean Clifford has played pretty well, but we sort of know what might lurk underneath Sean Clifford, right? The inconsistency. Is he still going to throw a pick at a bad time? It's possible it's Tonga Vailoa. And I, we had the pod in the summer talking about would we take this room, right? This quarterback room right now with zero experience whatsoever, or in just this season, or would we take the field in the Big Ten with guys like Talia, like Michael Penix, Sean Clifford? And it was a little bit, I think we all agreed Ohio, we take Ohio State's room, even given what it is, but it was a conversation that, you know, warranted a two hour pod. So it's just it, seeing how things have shaken out here. I'm not that shocked that Talia is in the conversation to be the best one, but I didn't think it would be this clear cut that it's it's probably Stroud and then him and then that's even a conversation right now so Stroud starts to string together some more consistent games but just solely based off talent who's the best quarterback it's clearly this these two 
and the Penix has been hurt, and Penix has not been good. Yeah, Penix has not been good as been hurt again. I was going to say, let's not pretend we haven't based a two-hour podcast on flimsier concepts than that. <laughs> this is no. true. This is true. I believe this. First of all, this is what we, that's what we do: flimsy conversations for two hours. Buckeye talk. No, there are occasionally people with the book who are like, just write one of your crazy sayings that you guys say about Buckeye talk. So that would be a good one: flimsy conversations. Yeah, I believe Stephen used the verb warranted a two-hour podcast. And again, <laughs> that's we <what> have <laughs> that's a strong verb for anything that happens here. <laughs> I did want to point out that, uh, yes, there were seven turnovers for Maryland in this game. There were five interceptions by Tonga Vailoa. One of the turnovers was a fumble when Demas tore his ACL. Like, as he was tearing his ACL, he fumbled the ball. So I'm going to give him somewhat of a pass on that. One of the interceptions was a a, a kind of a desperation chuck at the end of the first half by Tonga Vailoa. Mm -hmm. And then two or three of the others, he he was pressured. And he panicked a bit. I thought when I rewatched that game again today, the highlights you see what Ryan day was talking about because he's seen this before from other teams where you get a, I mean, that game was seven to three Maryland. And then Iowa scores Demas tears his ACL fumbles. I- Iowa recovers and scores. And I think you saw a psychological thing happen to Maryland at that point, losing their best guy in the way that the trajectory of that game is going. And I think you saw it in the way Tonga Vailoa played. So that's not like a positive for him. He can't do that. But I also think that there's reason to believe that you are going to get a more collected guy. Even when things start to go bad, I would expect him to maybe react a little bit better than he did in that moment. And to the point of losing Demas, Rick Hart's been having his own Chris Olave problems where he hasn't necessarily been a part of the offense. Basically, since week one, he had six catches for 122. Since then, six for 67, four for 70, and then one for six against Kent State. And then last week, four for 11. So Hmm. I, in the name of you lost your best weapon and your quarterback's coming off the worst game of his career, they're probably going to want to get those two linked up as quickly as possible and as often as possible. So they might force some stuff to Jared just to get him involved because that's, I mean, we had the conversation about Chris Olave. You can't not have your best weapon involved. Maryland's kind of in the same situation right now. Good test. Good test for the Ohio state corners. Good test for Denzel Burke and these guys. All right, we'll take a quick break. There's a couple of guys defensively on Ohio state that I want to talk about in particular before we get to a little bit of a Cincinnati conversation that our picks for this game, we'll do that next on Buckeye talk. Doug, Nathan, Steven back, Steven, you have a bit of clarification about how we refer to an Ohio state player that I think is valuable for everyone. Yes. So we have all across the beat and across the world been referring to JT Tuimoloau as JTT as a shorthand way of talking about him. That is not correct. There, the T doesn't stand for anything. His actual name, which I knew is Jalen Tuimolau. It's J-A-Y-L-A-H-N is how you spell Jalen. And then obviously Tuimolau is T-U-I-M-O-L-O-A-U. That's just his name. And so he likes to go by JT. So I think over time, people have just morphed it into JT Tui Molau as a way to say his you know, full name. But he made it a point when he was also telling everybody how to say his name for the million time to say, my mother also wants me to do this. My name is just Jalen Tui Molau. The T doesn't stand for anything. So you can call him JT or you can call him Jalen Tui Molau. Those are his names. All right. I, 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 we've already had this conversation multiple times. That's a very good thing to know. Is it five syllables or four? You're saying four right now. Tui Molo Al. Tui Molo Al. So basically say all of the all the, uh, the O's and A's. So it's five. Tui Molo Al. Yeah. Yeah. I just counted a five in my head again. Right. Okay. People that did not like that conversation last time I tried to have it. Okay. Because his what parents, I follow his yeah. parents on Twitter and they were, because they were saying his name wrong on the broadcast last week. And they were like tweeting, yeah. like, this is how you say it. Okay. I, I met his mom talk- at the backer game when I was down there nice. on the field. Yeah. Cool lady. So I want to talk about JT. I want to talk about Jack Sawyer. And I want to talk about Seven Banks. Did you guys talk to all three of those guys this week? At Wednesday interviews? Steven, I think I, I didn't get to. They were there. They were there. Like, yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, I was at I got all of JT. I think we both got a little bit of Jack. And then he was at seven for most of the time. So okay. between the three two of us, we got all three of them covered. All right. Let's just start with JT while we're on JT. How much do you think we've seen of him so far, Steven? How much more will we see? And 
you know, Tyreek Smith has been out. Zach Harrison has played well, right? Maybe not the huge breakout that almost everybody mm-hmm. predicted, but it's not like he's playing bad football. And he certainly has had some big moments for Ohio State. Like, is it possible that JT is the best defensive end on this team by the Michigan game? Yeah, especially in the run game, which I think is why he's playing so much more than Jack is right now is because he's, I mean, he's 6'4", 275 pounds, and he's just built to stop the run. He still needs to develop the pass rushing techniques, which is the case with a lot of, you know, uh, young defensive ends. But yes, I think when it comes to his first, what he can do on first and second downs, that's going to continue to grow. His snap count has continued to go up week by week by week. And the more Tyree Smith misses, the more experience JT gets. And I, I, I wouldn't be shocked that a guy who got here two months ago and has quickly asserted himself into the starting lineup, if he's not just the best all around defensive end, even if he's not the best pass rusher yet. Did he explain how he has been able to do this so quickly with how late he got here? He was still working out between all those visits. He wasn't just sitting on his butt. When he got done with basketball season, he started working out with his trainer, Tracy Ford, and then Seattle Seahawks defensive end Cliff Averill. So just to keep himself you know, up to speed with where he needed to be, but also he was working out a lot. So even though he wasn't necessarily in one program, he was still doing the necessary things where – all he needed to do once he got on campus was just catch up on, you know, the technical things of how Ohio State teaches stopping the run and pass rushing and learning all the defense. Okay. He's played really well. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a really good football player. It's funny to think of not like they would be in desperate straits if they didn't get him, but man, he's made an impact for a first year guy who showed up at the end of the summer. He did okay. say this though before we move on. Um no, he's not. He, he didn't rule out the basketball thing, but it's not happening, guys. He did say part of why he is so good at stopping the run is because a lot of the footwork and stuff that he's taken from basketball translates over into being a defensive end because it's a lot of the same movement. Mm. So that's part of it. His elite skill as a basketball player is helping him as a run stopper on defense. And sometimes what it takes to be a great run stopper as a defensive end is wanting to be a great run stopper as a defensive mm-hmm. end. So the fact that he's showing all that already. It's very, very encouraging. There's a lot there that's coming and has already been shown. Okay, mm-hmm. Jack Sawyer. Jack Sawyer is bigger than he was when he got here, right? It seems like that that Larry Johnson, when we talked to him a couple weeks ago, sort of made the point that you were making, Stephen, about like JT is just a little bigger. He's a more, I think even Larry Johnson said he's sort of a more of a power end and Jack Sawyer is a little more of a finesse end. But Nathan, Jack Sawyer, didn't he say like he came at 230 and he's at 260 or something now? It feels like maybe Jack Sawyer is trying to make the point of like, hey, 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 hey. I'm not some guy who's just standing up on the end doing pass rush moves. I'm a complete defensive end too. Yeah, and I think you can see it just by looking at him. He looks different when you're up close with him now. You can tell that he's added some size. I do think, though, that in its own way causes some adjustment probably. I mean, that's a pretty significant amount of weight to put on, and you, as an athlete, you're kind of figuring out what that means for you. And now you're – whereas with JT – no T – he was, I think, a little bit more comfortable playing at that size. So I think mm-hmm. that's probably a little bit maybe what's going on with Jack Sawyer right now. I think both of those guys, it's going to be interesting to watch them still progress week to week to week. Who, you know, th- th- so much of this is all like who- who's making plays on Thanksgiving weekend. And and those guys could both be you could easily see those guys flashing at the right time in, in a game like that. It's going to be fun watching those two develop because they're basically two sides of the same coin right now. JT is awesome in the run, and he, as he said, he's trying to slim down so he can be able to do a lot of that stuff on third down, while Jack Sawyer, because he basically spent the last four years of his life living on this campus, learning from Larry Johnson, he's great on third down and passing rushing situations, but he needs to still learn that other part. And his exact quote was, these guys are strong as hell. And when it comes to run blocking, so he's still trying to learn that part of it. So as... Jack develops the part that JT already has mastered and JT develops the part that Jack already has mastered Mm. over the next two years. That's where the expectations of what this might look like in 2023 get interesting once they're complete products. Okay. That makes sense. That'd be great. Like really, if JT is, is almost more like that kind of Cam Hayward style event. It's mm-hmm. like a big physical guy who absolutely can get after the passer, but just is skilled as all heck and, and hard to move and just technically sound and smart about the game. 
and then you pair him. And if Jack still probably is a little more of like the pass rush kind of Bosa kind of thing or the Chase Young mm-hmm. kind of thing, it's like, man, they really complement each other in a great way. So, okay, those guys both coming along, and I think they're, it does seem pretty clear. The one thing is we sort of had come to a prediction by the start of the season, like, hey, we think Jack Sawyer, if Chase Young was the fifth end his freshman year, we think Jack Sawyer might end up being the third end this year. And it's JT's the third end. He sort of is doing mm-hmm. what we thought Jack Sawyer would be. And frankly, JT's kind of like the second end. And frankly, like he's, who knows, as we said, he might be the number one end. Not that Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith aren't important. Okay. I want to talk about seven banks because Nathan, you've kind of, right. We've, we've not that we've danced around it. It's just, a, it's been hard to get a handle on it. Yeah. And seven banks, this was the first time that seven banks talked since the season started on Wednesday night. Is that correct, Nathan? That is correct. Yes. All right. I was thinking about this the other day because it's like we all do our thing. And I am as much of a, I, I am as much or more than anybody am a explain my question for three minutes before I ask my question kind of guy. So I know that that's how it goes. But I do think to myself sometimes if we would not all be better served in news conferences by just deciding who we want to know about and saying, what's up with seven banks? And then it's like, okay. Uh, Stephen Means from Cleveland.com. What's up with Jack Sawyer? <laughs> Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. What's up with Garrett Wilson? Like, we, whatever, because it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, Ryan, the last couple of weeks, Chris Olave has it. And then at the end, after your 31-second introduction, your question is, what's up? So, Nathan, what's up with Seven Banks? That is sort of how I preface the question when I asked – uh, Matt Barnes about it last week. I think I did say something like, "What, what's the deal with seven banks? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I thought we would have clarity, more clarity, having finally talked to seven himself about it. And he, he sort of reiterated the things that Matt Barnes was saying last week about he wasn't healthy. He said he had to get healthy. I think what is still hanging out there, though, is they didn't treat it like they, they didn't talk about him the way they talk about any other injury. Like he was never on the injury report. And that whether now what now the injury report isn't like some kind of gospel. They don't have to report it to some official place. It's just a thing that they send to us. So they get to play with it however they want. And perhaps that was going on there a little bit. I don't know. But that frustrates me a little bit because I feel like we have this sort of agreement with them that we'll treat things a certain way because they're going to tell us that anyway. It's just, it still seems like there was something there that I, I think you were the one who alluded to this, that sometimes guys are hurt and sometimes not for um, like, not because of laziness or because of shirking their duty. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's because for instance, a guy has all of a sudden seen his name in the first round of NFL mock drafts all over the place. And he thinks I've got to get back on the field and he doesn't do his rehab the right way. I'm completely speculating here, but that, that I definitely get a vibe like that, that maybe there was something like that going on that, that yes, he was physically not prepared to play the season or because he had been hurt and things didn't go the way it was supposed to. He wasn't good enough to play at the start of the season. That was what I think was the most surprising thing to us that if he's not hurt, like if you're not keeping him out of uniform and leaving him at home for a trip to Minnesota, if he's physically able to be here and isn't showing up an injury report, then how is it possible he's not playing? How is it possible he's not playing over Ryan Watts? That or, is I don't know, or Legend Cavazos. Yeah. Or Legend Cavazos, yes. I don't know what came first. Did fall camp happen and Denzel Burke proved he was better than him? Or did and then he re-aggravated whatever injury he had in the spring or did he re-aggravate whatever injury he had in the spring, opening it up an op- opportunity for Denzel Burke to start flashing. And then he rushed his rehab and came back earlier than he should have came back. And because of that, he was not playing well, I, or I he just like it's... was smelling himself. It could be one of those three things. And I'm not sure yet which one it is. Yeah. And I don't know if it was like the head to head with Denzel Burke that would have necessarily pushed that. I think it would have been more the outside noise oh. and expectations would be my mm-hmm. thing because because he could it, w- w- Denzel Burke could be the best cornerback in the country and they still need a second starting cornerback that, that yeah. could have been seven banks so that wasn't I don't necessarily think that would have been the thing um I just feel like he probably did wake up 
after the season and, and see his name all over the place. And there's, there's pressure that goes along with that. Now you got to live up to that a little bit. And um, it, it's both an opportunity and a um, obstacle sometimes. So that's okay. So that's not that it's not worth talking about because it is, but that was then. So right now, Denzel Burke is their number one corner. Who do we think mm-hmm. will start at corner against Mary? I, seven I Banks seven, or Cam Brown? I think Seven Banks will start again. I didn't, I didn't catch a glimpse of Cam Brown yesterday after practice. I'm not. I don't know that he was there or not. I didn't see him. I was trying to keep track of the guys who we know are, are dinged up. Um, he barely played against Rutgers. And I think you're in a situation where if you can limit his snaps, if he's been hurt and you can limit his snaps with another idle week coming up, a bye week, as they say, coming up, then you're probably going to try to do that, right? But that also applies to seven banks at this stage. He says he's not 100% healthy yet. I think – I can't remember who started last week. I think Cam Brown starts – Banks started last week. Okay. If they're both playing, I would say Cam Brown starts, but seven banks plays more snaps, especially if Ohio State takes care of business. Okay. Is there anything else that we need to talk about specifically with players or scheme or any other stuff about the Ohio state Maryland game before we move on to some other stuff? Uh, not really. I mean, Marcus Crowley, but it was, it's just like, it's him, Mike Williams and Master Teague and they fight every week. And one of them is going to end up being Chavion spellback that week. You know, that's the biggest takeaway from that 10 minute conversation. And it, some of it's going to depend on what Ohio State needs from a spell back that week. Does it need short yardage? Because then that's master. Do you need a guy who can, you know, help, you know, kind of be, put that final punch on a defensive line? It's probably mine. If you need a guy in the passing situation, like what they did with Crowley last week, it's probably him. So it's situational, but then also who practices the best. I will also say um, from taking a closer look at Maryland's run defense, uh, Stephen might be under with his 250 yard outreach function under there's going to be, there's going to be some running lanes. Listen, I think there tomorrow. I, I'm not. Yeah. So listen, I'm going to say this. I have kind of been spot on with my outrageous predictions, not the numbers, but like this, the alley I've decided to go down towards outside of the Minnesota game where I thought Jackson would have hundred yards and they didn't even throw him the ball. So, but I will say, I, I don't know how they win 49 to 20 and which is your prediction. And he gets 25 carries. I think that could be a tough comeback. That's, yeah. Maybe he gets 20 in the first half or something. As they build their, they've their done body. that before because they that's I mean, when they know the game is going to be a certain way, they get a guy his carries early just to get him his reps and then sit him. I, I think they're I think they'd rather have less wear on him for the second half of the season than get him his yards. I agree. Tomorrow. I agree. All right. So let's actually let's just go ahead and do our picks for the Ohio State Maryland game, because we've already um, sort of talked about generally how we think um, this is going to go. Because I think we just confused ourselves. We have not made our picks on this show yet, right? We just did our video. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because I get confused. Because, guys, if you don't know this, we do a picks video on our YouTube channel. I just said that, like, hey, let's have a little three-person conversation. And then I was like, hey, guys, listening to thousands of people that are the whole reason we do this. Oh, I'm talking <laughs> to you, too. We're going to we make our the picks. same things. We say we, we make some of the same points on that video. And yes. then we make those same points at other times during this podcast and it throws everything off yeah we just so spread can, it out so it's a longer show yeah but i can uh, yeah it's very confusing it's actually not that confusing i'm just a bad host so but <laughs> so go to our youtube channel and you can hear exactly what we're going to say now you can see it there with faces youtube podcasts with faces ohio state's favored by 20 and a half points over maryland on saturday which side would you pick the texters heavy on the Buckeyes, 81% taking Ohio State minus 20 and a half, 19% taking Maryland with the points. Expected total points, I said 71 and a half when I sent it to the texters. As Nathan has pointed out, it's actually more like 71. I don't think that's going to change anybody's mind. 61% on the under. On the under, 39% on the over. Nathan, what is your pick for this game? I'm taking Ohio State to cover the points, but I am taking the under. I'm saying 44 to 22 Ohio State. Uh, I, I see a Maryland team that I think will not be as much of a disaster on offense as it was last week and and sort of giving their opponent points the way they did. I think they're going to be able to move the ball a, a little bit but I still see a defense that's not going to be able to stop Ohio State. And we still have not seen a 
a healthy CJ Stroud, a healthy offensive line, and a healthy or healthy intact offensive line, starting offensive line, and a healthy Travion Henderson for like an entire half of football yet. Like we're still kind of waiting for that all to sync up together. And so I think that syncing up together for a half is or more is bad news for Maryland. All right. You have Ohio State winning by 22 points and you have the total at 66. So that's, as you said, taking the Buckeyes minus 20 and a half and taking the under. Steven, what do you got? Yeah, I'm under as well, 49 to 20. I just, to Nathan's point, I think Ohio State over these next two games has a chance to let its offense just get into some routine situations where it's just, we're going to have 500 plus yards and we're going to have 40 plus points and our offense is just going to look awesome because CJ's got some confidence after what he was able to do against Rutgers and Travion Henderson's Travion Henderson and these wide receivers are what they are. So I don't think Maryland can slow that down. And I think this defense being the work in progress that it is, you know, continues to, you know, March towards what it's going to be by the end of the year. Maryland does a couple of things. Maybe they put up some yards as well because their offense has the capability to do that, but they don't always finish off drives, which is very similar to what Ohio State was against Oregon. So 49 to 20, taking the points with Ohio State, but I'm under that total points number. All right, same range. And I'm in the same range, but I'm on the opposite side of the of the uh, points, taking the points. I'm 42-24, which is practically Nathan's score, but it's only – an 18-point Ohio State win. So I'm taking Maryland plus 20 and a half. I'm also on the under. I think we all think the under feels pretty good. I will never feel as good about anything as I felt about Ohio State minus 15 and a half against Rutgers last week. But I think this might be the thing I feel the second best about that's happened so far this season. Is this under? Because, Nathan, it just that, that 71 just kind of really crept up there. It feels like maybe you're thinking there's a defensive score, a bunch of turnovers for Ohio State, or you're really counting on like Maryland piling. Like, are you thinking that Maryland gets in the 30s and it's like a, I don't know, you're thinking like 49, 28 kind of thing? I don't know. That just feels like a lot on both sides. We all like the under. Like, do you like the under a lot, Nathan? I think so, only because. Ohio State's defense has improved so much that I think I, – I, I guess I shouldn't say I think. It makes me wonder if there is still – the lines that they're getting, are we still seeing the performance against Oregon, the performance against Tulsa, even the performance against Minnesota baked into how they're getting evaluated right now from a betting standpoint? Because it just feels like yeah. just in the last two or three weeks there has been a decent surge again – caution saying that with caution because we haven't really seen it against uh, you know an upper echelon team or even a above average team possibly but it's it's certainly trending in that direction and i also don't know that as much as we're kind of we still have not seen the complete 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 game from the ohio state offense you know it was it was 27 20 against tulsa a couple weeks ago with four minutes left in the game and then it was akron and rutgers and it's like okay i'm we're not we know. I mean, they're really good. Trayvon Henderson's really good. C.J. Stroud's looking like he's healthy and quite a good quarterback, and we know what the receivers are. But I don't know that we're just thinking they're going to drop 60 pieces on people yet. So I think the under makes sense in a lot of ways. I'm taking Maryland with the points. I don't feel great about it. I, I like the under better than I like that. But I think 20 and a half is kind of a lot. I think we might be overreacting to the games last week. We saw what happened when the line overreacted to what Rutgers did against Michigan. And it like it was like that's not a real line. So I think if you're thinking that like oh Ohio State's like they get they've got it all back together and oh Maryland's actually a fraud because they got blown off the field by Iowa and it's like okay now you're at a three touchdown game and it's like I don't know if it's really a three touchdown game. But last week the smart money, as they say, came in on Rutgers getting the points and stayed there for the most part. That's where a lot of the action was. That's why that line stayed down where it was because it opened it. 17 or 17 and a half, I think, and dropped to 15. And this week it started at 21, dropped pretty quick, and then has gone back up and has basically been at 20 and a half, 21 since then. So you've seen that bounce back to where I think people have more belief in Ohio State. But the opening over under was 72 and a half, and that has dropped a little bit and stayed there. Okay. Okay. All right. Those are our picks. Here's what we're going to do in the last segment. We're going to talk about Cincinnati. We're going to talk about Cincinnati in comparison to Ohio State. We have a couple of good poll questions about that. And we'll make our picks for Penn State, Iowa. Gigantic game this weekend. Next on Buckeye Talk. All right, let's do Iowa, Penn State first. 
Iowa favored by one and a half at home versus Penn State. I said, forget the point spread. Who wins the game outright? 52% of the texters said Penn State. So it's basically a coin flip. Nathan, who would you take with the either include the point spread or whatever, but what are you thinking here? Yeah, I, I wouldn't put money on this. I, I mean, I think it's really even. In my, um, I, I think I might take Iowa like 24 to 23, something like that. Like, I think it could be it could be that close. What do you think, Stephen? Iowa by a field goal because they're at home. So you guys both think Iowa wins, which is all that matters, really, because yeah. that, that affects the race, that affects yeah. playoff positioning. I do think it is for playoff purposes. Well, I don't know. Both teams will still be in a position to win the Big Ten, even if they lose, because Iowa's still right. going to win the West, even if they lose to Penn State. And if Penn State loses to Iowa, if, if Penn State beats Michigan and Ohio State, Penn State's going to the Big Ten Championship game, and it's probably a rematch this game. And then, you know, you win that game and you're in, even if you lost the first one. If you're a one-loss Big Ten champ, you're getting in the playoff. Correct. But I do think it matters more to Iowa than it does to Penn State because Penn State still is going to have chances to beat Ohio State Michigan or have chances to lose to Ohio State Michigan. Like, this is a big game for Penn State. It's not their biggest game. This is Iowa's biggest game. It's like their best chance to impress. It's their most likely loss remaining because the West stinks. <laughs> so there's more on it for Iowa, but it's not do or die for either of them because I don't think – now the thing that would be if you think that somehow the Big Ten's going to get two teams in the playoff, I mean like the only way that the, that the Big Ten gets two teams in the playoff is if an undefeated – Big 10 team loses in the Big 10 championship game, right? So that would have to be almost that like Iowa wins this game and then loses to Ohio and is like number three and then loses to Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan in the Big 10 championship game. And everybody's like, you know what? I was still one of the four best teams. So I just, that's a could little Penn, rough. Could Penn State get in if they beat Iowa and their only losses to Ohio State, but because they're in the same division, they can't go to the Big Ten Championship. Well, no, that's like the that's the Ohio State way that they got in yeah. last time. That like you don't even go to the Big Ten Championship game. But then but you, if would need, you, you would need Ohio State to lose to someone else too, or whoever. No, whoever, I'm, no, I'm if, saying that they. I'm saying could that be a way to get two Big Ten teams in? Penn State if, beats Iowa, loses to Ohio State. They lose. So Ohio State's the Big Ten representative. Penn State mm -hmm. doesn't even go. And then regardless of who wins Iowa, Ohio State, Penn State's sitting here. It would help them more if Ohio State goes. But it's like Ohio State now is a one-loss Big Ten champ, and Penn State's like, man, our only loss is like a three-point game on the road at mm -hmm. a team that made the playoff. We're the fourth-best team. I think that's possible, but I have a thing. That's where Cincinnati comes in. Actually, that's is quite a big. That's like almost the Cincinnati kind of scenario. I was yeah. I was actually going to say also real quick. I wonder how it's going to affect the dynamic we're talking about if Alabama Georgia is also an example of the loser of a conference championship game is getting in too. Like would the committee right. put do that to yeah. two different conferences and that's right. the only people to get in the playoff that could be that could yeah. that could factor into the the, the decision. And it feels like is almost a guarantee that both Georgia and Alabama are getting in right now. Seems like it. So that is a complicating thing. I think Penn State's going to win. Iowa, it's a very difficult thing. I think Iowa is tied for the league, the lead in the nation in takeaways. They've just been forcing turnovers like crazy, which is a credit to them. It's not by accident. They smother you. They get after you. It's 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 a a credit to how good they are defensively. But. Like if they don't win the turnover margin by a couple turnovers, I don't know. I don't think they have the offensive firepower. Tyler Goodson's really good, but Jahan Dotson is awesome. The Penn State running game is not that good. They don't have a dynamic guy. Clifford is more of a playmaker than Spencer Petrus is, but also like Clifford, I think is has a more of a chance to like throw a pick that kills you, probably. So, and I think Penn State's defense is really good. Their secondary is really good, but Iowa's is a better defense across the board. I think Iowa's. Defense is slightly better than Penn State, but I think Penn State's offense might be like 
a little bit significantly better than Iowa's. But again, Tyler Goodson is like a really good back. So I think Penn State wins by like a score. And because I don't think that Iowa's going to win the turnover margin like four to nothing or seven to one or whatever it was last week, right? I mean, they've just had these games. Yeah. They beat Indiana. They sm- they beat Indiana getting turnovers right off the bat. They beat Iowa State winning the turnover margin for nothing. And they beat the snot out of Maryland because they took the ball away a million times. Like they played Colorado State like tight in the first half. And it was like, what's going on? So they're so good at it, but I also think they kind of rely on it. And I think Clifford's gotten a little better with that. And I don't know if they, I think they're going to have trouble with Dotson. I think Parker Washington's good. And I think Penn State's defense is pretty good. So I like Penn State by seven or 10. I, I think, I, I don't think I like them by that much, but I think I might actually change my vote. I've, I've had Iowa above Penn State in the last AP poll, but that's more resume in some ways. I mean, they, they've beaten Iowa State. They just did what they did on the road to Maryland. Um, Penn State has the win against Auburn and the Wisconsin win doesn't look as good. So that's why I was putting Iowa ahead. But I think if I like who's the more balanced overall better team, I think it might be Penn State right now. So I think I might change mine and maybe I'll just go 24, 23, the other way, Penn state. Okay. Okay. I think it'll be a good game. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And again, this does not happen very much in the big 10 where you have a game this big that doesn't involve Ohio state Cincinnati. I asked people what, like, do they care about Cincinnati? Because I'm curious about, and I mean like do Ohio state fans care about Cincinnati? I'm not asking people in the world because I sent it to our tech subscribers, which automatically means you're a dedicated, loyal, educated Ohio state fan. These were the choices for my Cincinnati question. What is your level of interest in Cincinnati football as an Ohio state fan? I root against Cincinnati was a choice. I don't care either way about Cincinnati. You just ignore them. They're not your team. Who cares if they're in the state? You just don't care. I root for Cincinnati, but just because of Luke Fickle. Or I root for Cincinnati because, you know, you have a personal connection to Cincinnati or that it's just another Ohio school. And it's like, hey, it's the state, state pride, whatever. Like I can root for more than one team. So I root for Cincinnati. And that means that you'd have interest in Cincinnati and root for them, even if their head coach wasn't a former Buckeye uh, all-time great who was also Ohio State's head coach. Steven, what do you think won? I root because of Luke. I root because of some other connection. I root against them. I hate them or I don't care. Fickle first. And then just because they have a connection a second. What do you think, Nathan? Oh, I would almost think that maybe I don't care. It wins. <laughs> like they just, they're indifferent. Yeah. Uh, it is. It is fickle. Steven's right. Fickle first, other connection. Second, don't care. Third root against them. Fourth. So, who is rooting against Cincinnati? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, in this fan base, yeah. Well, they they almost beat them well, like the new year, right? No four, and like they. That's, yeah, that's true. The dynamic know. is changing too. I mean, Cincinnati is ranked ahead of them. Cincinnati is about to be a Power Five program and and break Ohio State stranglehold on that distinction in the state. So it's the, the I could see people starting to dislike them more than they used to when they were this benign thing yeah. that they didn't have to worry about very often. Sure. Preemptive dislike. Start disliking them now before they're in the Big 12 because they're going to be a power five team two yeah. hours down the road in another couple of years. 45% said I root for Cincinnati, but only because of Luke. 28% I root for Cincinnati because of another connection or because they're in the state. 20% I don't care. I root against them. So not a lot of people rooting against them. Then I asked this question, which team would win in a neutral site game right now? And let me throw this out here first. I asked the unofficial official bookmaker of Buckeye talk, Tyler Shoemaker for a hypothetical line based on his power rankings, neutral site game, Ohio state, Cincinnati, Nathan, what do you think Tyler Shoemaker's hypothetical line is for this game and hypothetical meaning they're not currently scheduled to play, but it is based on real stuff. It is based on T-Shoes power rankings. Oh, uh, maybe Ohio State by seven and a half. Stephen, what do you think? I would have said ten and a half, Ohio State. See, I would have said like four and a half, and he said seven. Okay. So, Nathan, you were the closest. Good for you, Nathan. That's a close, you know, that's a score. Because I do think... I think, I mean, Cincinnati has a 
better cornerback than Ohio State. I think Cincinnati probably has a better secondary right now than Ohio State. Um, my Jay Sanders is as good as any Ohio State pass rusher, and they have a better quarterback. And that's not a shot of CJ Stroud, but like Desmond Ritter has been doing it forever, and he can throw it, he can sling it, he can run it when he needs to. Jerome Ford, the transfer from Alabama, is their running back. He's not as good as Trayvon Henderson, but he's kind of like a Mayan Williams, Master Teague kind of running back, which is like a solid running back. They have a couple tight ends. They got an okay receiver. Like, and Ritter's the real deal. Like, he wasn't great against Notre Dame in the first half last week, but then he was on the money. I think it was nine of eleven in the second half. Like when they needed him, after they were kind of leaking a little bit, they were up seventeen nothing. They start leaking. It gets down to seventeen thirteen. He leads a drive right down the field. Couple big time throws at when they had to have it, and they had it. He had it for him. So Ritter, Ritter is like a difference maker. I think. Um, and it's even if you think CJ Stroud's more talented, it's like Ritter's been doing it for a long time. So I think it would be a game if they played each other. I asked who would win in a neutral site game. Steven, what do you think the texter vote was on who would win a neutral site game, Cincinnati or Ohio State? I know they're Ohio State fans, but you're allowed to have like just a regular opinion on this, yeah, you right? Are. That like I don't know. 77 to 23, Ohio State okay. wins. 77 for Ohio State. Nathan, what do you think? Is that Sorry, for, for which game was that? Hypothetical Ohio State Cincinnati. Who wins by the Texters? Oh, the Texters. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you thought I said that would be the score of the game? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm saying Ohio State, uh, 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 83%. 97% to 3%. People do not believe it. I think. Uh, two weeks ago, I think you get a different number. I don't I think I'm not, how, how much of this is. Yes, that Ohio State team was awesome in 2019, but also the way Luke Fickle approached that game. I don't know. I mean, it was so bad. I mean, yeah. that was so bad. I said I was on a Cincinnati TV show on something that I was saying, like, I think Luke probably learned a lot from that game. Right. Mm-hmm. I think they probably learned lessons that they applied to. Hey, you're going to Notre Dame. Don't freak out too much. And then. They got a lead, helped by terrible Notre Dame quarterback play. But then when Notre Dame made a charge at the end, Cincinnati did not fold, right? That it, a program that has not been in that exact position all that many times. Although, again, Ohio State a couple of years ago, George in the bowl game last year, they're getting some experience there. They hung in with Georgia last year. They did not fold. Yeah. They made the plays they needed to in the moment. They didn't blow Notre Dame off the field. And Notre Dame kind of is a mess. They can't figure out. They're not... Brian Kelly, their number three quarterback is their best quarterback. And Brian Kelly didn't figure out until the second half. So Cincinnati was helped by that. But Cincinnati's better than Notre Dame. Doesn't mean Cincinnati's better than Ohio State. I thought it might be more like 80-20 than 97 to 3. So Nathan, like, I don't know. This is not that it's a one-year blip, but they have some super seniors. They have a really veteran quarterback. It's kind of this is, I don't know that Cincinnati's ever going to be better than this. Right. We've talked about Cincinnati, how they'll recruit when they get to the Big 12, what the expectations are. This is kind of peak Cincinnati. I don't I don't think they're they're not. I thought they're not a threat to Ohio State. But what do you think Cincinnati looks like in the next couple of years as they head towards the Big 12, as they ride this success? I don't know. Do you think they're going to keep being good? And does that in the end, will it have any effect on Ohio State? That's two very interesting questions because one could be true without the second one being true. Um, and I, Stephen might have a better grasp of where Cincinnati is from a recruiting standpoint right now. I think that's still a gap that has to be closed um, if you really want to talk about getting up and playing at Ohio State. Because it's not just like, uh, it's not, I mean, frankly, it's not like if uh, Western Michigan got pretty good and now could they threaten Michigan? Like the gap between those programs is not as big as I mean, you're not trying to get up. You're trying to get up to a higher level if you're trying to take on Ohio State uh, historically here these last few years. So I, my inclination is uh, that I think the trajectory Cincinnati is on is good, that especially if they keep Luke Fickle, there's no reason why that can't continue. I don't know at what point do they start to take head to head guys away from Ohio State unless it's like a Desan McCullough to Indiana circumstance yeah. you know let I mean? me answer that real quick never they don't. they're right. never going to win a head-to-head battle the, the jacks and paris johnson are always going to go to ohio state that's not what they can bank on they can bank on the darion henry young where maybe he's 
or a Jaheim Thomas who did go to Cincinnati, his same high school as Paris and Darion, where it's you're teetering, you're maybe on the on the edge. Maybe if, you know, since like we've talked about, since he's a power five school now and they're doing something, Darion is there as their starting defensive end instead of being, you know, the fifth or sixth guy in Ohio State's room. That's where they're with. And I don't I shouldn't say never. Right. A four star from Cincinnati who if you go to Cincinnati, you might start as a freshman. If you come to Ohio State, you might not play till you're three or four. They, mm-hmm. they might be more competitive for those guys. I think the, the crucial thing will be when when Ohio State, for instance, doesn't need a quarterback and there's a good one in state, does Cincinnati keep him home or does he go to Penn State or the SEC or Michigan or whatever? I mean, if That's- Cincinnati just starts getting like a lot, not like some of the guys that go to Kentucky, right? You go to Cincinnati instead of going to Michigan State. I don't think they were ever going to beat because, listen, it's like. If you're in Cleveland, Penn State is like closer to you than Cincinnati. Yeah. Actually, it's like it's more real to you, right? Which it's is not- the, which is the deal with Drew Allard's. I mean, Penn State's not that far away, but also Cincinnati doesn't have a Mike Yurcich, who's kind of an offensive mind right now. But, yeah. The bottom, but there's no pull. There's no like in state. Nobody in Cleveland cares that Cincinnati happens to be in the same state, yeah. right? So you're not going to beat Penn State, but if you can be a drivable option to play for a winning power five football team, then Cincinnati can start winning some recruiting battles against Michigan state and Kentucky and Illinois and Iowa and teams like that. When they're going for guys in the Midwest, let's let's do this real quick. Clearly Ohio state, the big 10, the big 10 champ is whether it's undefeated or has one loss, the big 10 champ will get in the playoff ahead of Cincinnati. And this is all, we're only having this conversation of Cincinnati's 13 and 0. So we're assuming Cincinnati is 13 and 0. I do think that, generally 13 and 0 Cincinnati will be a better playoff contender than a, the second best team in the big 10. Even if that team is like Iowa, we were undefeated and then Iowa loses to Ohio state or Penn state in the big 10 championship game. One loss, Iowa without a championship. I think Cincinnati is a better candidate because what is the imperative of like, Oh, we've got to take two big 10 teams. I just don't even know what that looks like. And or, oh, Penn State or Michigan lost a really close game to Ohio State and Ohio State win. Or I just like this is the Cincinnati's door is open. Right. I mean, how is it? Ever, we've already had the chaos. The ACC's out. The Pac-12 is practically out. Cincinnati's big deal to me. And again, let's talk about this on the playoff show. They need Oklahoma to lose because I think the assumption at this point is you assume it's going to be Alabama and Georgia and you assume it's going to be the Big Ten champ. That leaves one spot. And if Oklahoma's undefeated, Cincinnati's not getting in. But if Oklahoma loses and the Big 12 champ has a loss and looks a little, I think Cincinnati can beat them out. But I just don't even think, I just think they, of course, would beat out the second best team in the Big 10. Nathan, generally, what I think that's, I think Cincinnati's needs to scoreboard watch Oklahoma and take care of business. And that's its path. Yeah. And taking care of business is the big one. I think also, I mean, Style points for them matter more than they matter for a power five school. I think they play. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the schedule that they have coming up, Temple, UCF, Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, South Florida. I mean, there's some adequate teams there, but it's not not until they get the SMU at home on November 20th. Do they play somebody where you're like, oh, okay, that's where they were maybe going to get a challenge. So they need to to um, show that they are a tier above. You know what I mean? They need to yes. look like they need to look like a playoff team that is unfairly playing in in the AAC. I think the Oklahoma example is perfect because they have not looked like a playoff team, but they're undefeated. It's Oklahoma because of who they are, who their quarterback is, their expectations. They're basically trying to prove the committee right that they deserve to be in, while Cincinnati's trying to prove the committee wrong of they deserve to be out no, every single I th- week. I think that's right. So they've got to look good. They've got to look like a top four team and they need a little bit of help, but I don't think they need a ton of help. So I think we actually had a mo- some Cincinnati conversation before. We won't talk. Cincinnati, they're not going to be worth talking about for a long time now because no. they're going to be there. They play eight games in the American. They've played their four non-conference games and this is what it is. And we're not going to be talking about Cincinnati when they're playing South Florida and Navy and Tulane and Tulsa. So we're going to be talking about Ohio State when they play South Florida and Navy. <laughs> Tulane and Tulsa and Purdue and actually, I mean, it is weird. There are Ohio state has four opponent opponents remaining who are currently in the top 11 of the AP poll. 
which mm-hmm. is like mind blowing. So like, that's like a real thing. It's like, Oh, boring. Good. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like people think Michigan state's the 11th best team, 11th best team in the country. And like, I don't know Ohio state it's going to be favored by 17 and a half against Michigan state. I don't know. So, but there's, there's something three, to three it. for sure. And one likely. Yeah. So, okay. That's it. That's our preview. Make sure will you catch the post-game pod. I, I think you guys like the post-game pod. When we look at the numbers, the post-game pod is always like the most popular pod because people are jacked up for us to talk about what's going on with the Buckeyes right after the game. So we'll get that out to you sometime on Saturday, noon start. And uh, by week next week, but five pods coming. So, I mean, like, what do you think? I mean, what's five pods coming? That's what we do here. So make sure you're reading Cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. We'll take the reviews. Tech subscriptions, listen to this, all good. What do you got, Nathan? Is, it, is the schedule altered next week? Are we doing Monday through Friday? We might do Monday through Friday instead of taking Tuesday off and then having the postgame pod on Saturday. So we might do Monday through Friday, or we might still take Tuesday off and drop a different pod on Saturday. So uh, we'll let you know on Monday Madness, but you're still going to get five next week regardless because i don't know how far ahead people need to know that i just thought i would no, bring it up I know. in case no, for people well, who do schedule their lives around listen, this is part of buckeye talk we kind of you know do housekeeping on the pot so yeah no we, <laughs> we had to submit I, i'm i mean i maybe i should keep this a uh, secret until we win or don't win but it's like we submitted an entry for like a some kind of podcast contest and they were searching for clips from different shows to put together. It's like a 10 minute entry. And what if the entry was just us being like, Oh, we do it a pod next week. Oh, are you guys around? Oh, what should we, Oh, Wednesday. Oh, what do you want to talk about? And it's just like 10 minutes of planning Buckeye talk off. We strive for authenticity over here, man. We do Nothing but off mic conversations that wind up <laughs> on mic. All right. Thanks to you guys for being part of it. You make it happen. We appreciate you guys listening. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.